Hello, everyone, and welcome to the America in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. America in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire service. Our mission is to fund high quality public interest journalism that promotes accountability and fiscal responsibility in government. To support great podcasts like this, please donate by clicking the link in the show description. We are recording this podcast on Friday, August 26th. Joining me again today is Casey Harper, the Center Square's Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief. How are you, Casey? I'm doing good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. Listen, before we get into this week's news, indulge me for a second. Okay, here we go. (laughs) I'm not much of a streaming uh, TV person. I've had satellite TV uh, for quite a while now, Mm -hmm. but I had to get my roof replaced this week, and they had to uh, take my satellite dish down. Of course, DirecTV tells me they can't get out here to reinstall it until... Uh, late September. So I decided to give Hulu a shot. Hulu. Okay. Hulu. On Hulu, a show, a show called Only Murders in the Building. You familiar? Oh, uh, wow. I'm familiar, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, <clears throat> quick background. It stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. They are true crime enthusiasts. Uh, after a man is murdered in their New York apartment building, they decide to produce their own true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after just two, two episodes, the podcast takes off. So my question to you, Casey, is should we be doing a true crime podcast? Um, yeah, Dan, I think uh, we, we, we in a way we are because we are covering the slow murder of the American economy. <laughs> In the last year, <laughs> ding, ding, ding! You know, Yay. you got the answer right. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I, good. I was giving you about a fifty-fifty uh, percent chance. Oh, uh, uh, oh, to to get that one right, but that was the answer I was looking for. We're already doing a true crime podcast. Wow, Dan, we're in sync. We've, we're becoming one slowly. I don't know if that's, that's scary, alarming, or comforting. That's definitely so. alarming. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of true crime, Casey. Oh yeah. Well, I, I guess depending on your perspective. <laughs> President Joe Biden this week announced that he was transferring hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt to taxpayers. Mm-hmm. You covered it uh, live from Washington, D.C. Tell us, what's what's the deal here? Well, to start off, I just want to personally thank you, Dan, for paying off uh, my wife's student loans. So I can send you a thank you card or something. Are you benefiting at all from this or are you just a contributor? I have two college like kids, and as of up to now, we have not had to take out student loans. I'm not. That's not to say we won't by the time their college careers are over. But mm-hmm. I think I got in too late. Yeah. So thanks again um, for paying off. So anything I know, can do to help, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's new, but great. Great to hear. Um, no, uh, I think that you know that it's kind of that joke sums up where a lot of people fall on this, which is you know some people are really going to benefit personally from this in a pretty significant way. And some people are totally just going to foot the bill and how you feel about this might vary widely based on, you know, if your kids are already in college or just about to go to college, or if you're a young person who graduated a few years ago, but just the the quick overview of the details of this plan, I think a lot of people have heard about it, but um, Biden announced Wednesday that his administration would cancel $10,000 in student loan debt for those making less than $125,000 a year. Um, If you've got a Pell Grant, that number can get up to $20,000 dollars in student loan debt. Um, A less covered uh, part of this actually is that the plan also allows borrowers to cap their repayment at 5% of their income, um, which is really significant. Actually, if you know, lower income, even somebody's, you know, (laughs) you know, the philosophy major who has a hundred grand in debt from Berkeley, who's working at at Starbucks uh, is going to get a lot more than $10,000 because they're 
you know, only 5% of their income is what they're going to have to pay opposed to, you know, you, you hear student loan payments that are easily 700, you know, $800 a month um, in that range, you know, for, so people won't be having to pay as much um, on their student loan. So, so these, uh, these policies, of course, have been really controversial. Um, Biden, there's been a lot of rumors and talk about this potentially happening, but here it finally is. And the last thing I'll say about just the details is um, those who have student loan, federal student loans, don't have to resume repayment until uh, January 1st of this year. So again, in Biden called it one final delay because um, President Trump did the first delay of payment on federal student loans during COVID. And then it's been extended uh, several times, I think over half a dozen times. Um, it's been extended by a few months. And so every few months, there's this big um, buildup of, is the president going to extend COVID relief again? Okay, he did. Okay, he did. And then, But this time, he extended it one final time, did the debt relief. Um, and you know, I think one of the biggest concerns in this, I want to hear from you on this, Dan, is inflation. But a CNBC a Momentum survey released earlier this week found that 59% of those surveyed, these Americans, said they are concerned that forgiving this debt will hike inflation. But, and and the, the reaction to this on, on both ends of this spectrum has, has been um, interesting to follow. There's the, On the far left, you've got, well, $10,000 a, a person, that's not enough. Let's do $50,000 or let's forgive all student debt. On the other side of the spectrum, it's, you know, it, it's a... It, Concerns about inflation, concerns about the the national debt, which is already nearly thirty one trillion dollars. Um, um, why should taxpayers, federal taxpayers, and, and let's be, let's be honest here, uh, President Biden calls it student loan forgiveness. It is not the loans aren't forgiven. It's just taxed. It's, the loans are being transferred from the individuals who signed up to get to receive uh, the money to pay for college uh, to federal taxpayers. As you said, me, you, all of our listeners. Um, and, and that's uh, that's not a fair thing, is is what many folks on the on the right say. But let's talk about yeah, yeah what, what this is going to do to inflation, what this is going to do uh, to the to the national debt. There are plenty of folks that think that this increased government spending um, will only worsen inflation. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is uh, now most on the left, the Biden administration has said that this won't increase inflation and. Uh, you know, different economists might disagree. I've seen, you know, even an Obama administration economist, Jason Furman, who we covered at the centersquare.com, said pretty clearly that this will raise inflation. But um, the 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 best kind of argument, if you want to come back at the Biden administration on this, is that uh, when the Biden administration passed the Inflation Reduction Act uh, or signed into law, and Democrats passed the by um, the Inflation Reduction Act. They said this will reduce inflation because it reduces or it it cuts the deficit by a few hundred billion dollars, right? And so it was like, okay, I mean, you can make the argument for sure. Uh, but now that <laughs> you just raised, you know, you just raised the debt by several hundred billion dollars. So if you want to say that cutting the deficit lowers inflation, then you have to at least admit that uh, spending, you know, debt spending does raise um, raise inflation. So just based on the argument that they made when passing the Inflation Reduction Act, it will raise inflation. Um, and as I said, this Obama administration economist has said the same thing. Uh, you know, I think that it's it's definitely an easy target to attack this. Um, but it's really, I think, uh, the hallmark of a lot of the big government policies um, and why some people like them 
is that the government chooses winners and losers. So there's definitely winners in this policy. There's millions of Americans who are going to be better off because of this. Um, but there's more, many more millions who are going to have to pay for it. And that's kind of the nature of an uh, ever-expanding federal government is that a few people or a, a group of people are picked as winners by the government and their lives improve while everyone else has to has to foot the bill. And this is like a more stark, um, controversial example of that. Well, and let, let's talk a little bit about the timing of this. Of course, it's midterm elections in less than three months from now. Most analysts, uh, political observers have said this is going to be a tough year for Democrats. Of course, we're experiencing 40-year high inflation. The price of gasoline hit an all-time record high in June. Yes, it has come down a little bit, but it's still significantly more than when President Biden took office. Food prices are, um, you know, what, 12, 14 percent up year over year. Um, Traditionally, going back decades, um, the the party that controls the presidency generally has a tough um, midterm election year. Um, And then President Biden comes out while this has been, you know, he's been talking about this for years, even back to when he was campaigning. He waits until two and a half months before the election is it, is this is this a political maneuver to try and gain student debt uh, owners uh, votes yeah i think it definitely was a political mover a maneuver and it will have big political implications but whether it was a, a good political maneuver i think remains to be seen um, i think a lot of people are upset about this there's definitely more people who didn't receive money than did uh, and you, you have to imagine that those who benefited most are, you know, recently out of college young people. And the Democratic Party already has the, the majority of, you know, kind of young millennials uh, voting for them. And so maybe you could say this rewarding their base, but I'm not sure you're how much you reaching across the aisle you're doing with this policy. Um, at the same time, if you give somebody $10,000, you could easily see like, hey, they're a lot more likely to vote for you. <laughs> I mean, even uh, since obligation is like, hey, I don't know about all this other stuff, but Biden got me $10,000, so I'm going to go vote for him. So I'm sure there'll be some people who think that way. question is, how many people will be more upset about it? How many people are like, hey, thanks for the money, but that still doesn't change how I feel. Um, the other thing you know, that I've been reading about uh, from analysts and political insiders is that they're a little worried that this is going to change the narrative um, off of abortion. And so um, a lot of Democrats, the the big game plan for the last few months has been forget the economy. Instead of talking about the economy, we're going to talk about abortion and Roe v. Wade until the cows come home all the way through November. And we're going to ride the abortion and, you know, uh, the, the base, the Democratic basis frustration over what the Supreme Court did to Roe v. Wade. We're going to ride that through the midterms and change the conversation off of the economy because the economy has been such a losing issue for Biden and the Democrats um, in the last two years. And that that strategy, I mean, you could say it was kind of working uh, in a lot of ways, but now this student loan thing, it changes the conversation again, back to spending, back to inflation, back to um, numbers and the economic data and the impact of it. And so that's, I wonder if that was kind of a, Maybe that's a risk Biden was willing to take, or maybe it was kind of an unforeseen consequence politically for Biden. I think the next few weeks, and of course, November, we'll see uh, if it was a smart political play or not. All right. Well, why don't we uh, move on, Casey? Um, You broke a story at the Center Square this week 
um, that has uh, many conservatives up in arms. Um, tell us about the story that where the Biden administration is using taxpayer dollars to help public uh, unions grow their ranks, public employee unions. Yeah, this is a really interesting story. Um, you're not going to really see this anywhere except, of course, the centersquare.com. Dan McKayla, I'm sure you're a frequent reader. Uh, so I am good. Good story, Casey. Go. For hey, oh, thank you. Patting yourself on the back, and let's I talk about a, the substance. A bruise on my back from all the padding that I do on this podcast. Um, but the so I'll try to go through, not not belabor it too long. But there's a federal office called the Office of Personnel Management. Um, it's kind of complicated, but they're sort of like the HR for the federal government for all the agencies. They do all the kind of HR things, and. Uh, they're definitely a federal agency, taxpayer funded. Everyone that works at um, OPM, as it's called, Office of Personnel Management, OPM, everyone that works there is, you know, their salary is paid for by taxpayer dollars. But it, it turns out that uh, pub unions, public unions in particular, are extremely grateful and happy for all the work OPM has been doing to help them recruit members. And so uh, being the HR of the federal government, of course, OPM has all the data and the personal information, uh, the database of names of people who work in the government, and OPM knows who's across in a union. all departments. Yes, and OPM knows who's in a union and who's not, and they they have this tool called FedScope, which is like a database of these employees, and they've recently updated it at the specific request of public unions. Um, they specifically updated it to make it much easier for unions to search and find, you know where people are in unions and where they're not so that they can recruit them, actively recruit them. And so, dear listener, <laughs> your tax, your taxpayer dollars were used to pay the salary of federal employees who worked hand in hand with public unions to make it easier for unions to recruit um, people and get them in their role um, in their memberships. And of course, that will beef up the budgets of these unions. And uh, if of, course, that is of course, if you're a member of a union, you, you have to pay dues to the union. Yeah. Exactly. You have to pay dues. And of course, the political angle of this is that um, unions overwhelmingly support Democratic candidates. Uh, they give you know different issues, Democratic issues. They rally their members. Um, Biden received like over $27 million from labor organizations in the 2020 election. Trump received, you know, I think less than a million. So uh, there is definitely a political angle of this. The <laughs> The, the Biden administration helps unions, unions get to Democrats, and it's kind of this circular, um, circular thing that's going on right now. So what's been the what's been the reaction to the to, to this in your story? Yeah, I mean, besides uh, my coming Pulitzer, you mean? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, besides that, we'll talk about that. Um, maybe never, but go ahead. Maybe never. Wow. man. OK. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of people say this is par for the course. Uh, we, we see this kind of thing happen at the state level often where, you know, on liberal states, uh, the governors will work to help unions, you know, unions do a good job of kind of the grassroots level of mobilizing people, of getting, you know, regular people to stay involved, to stay connected to what's going on politically. But I talked to some guys at the Freedom Foundation, uh, Max Nelson, and um, he, you know, he, I'll, I'll just read, uh, one of his quotes here, he said, helping unions identify organizing targets in the federal work workforce, not only enlist taxpayers in promoting private, politically active organization opposed to their interests, but exposes the reality that much union organizing comes from the top down. So, I mean, that's that's pretty sums up a lot of the reaction to this. 
Um, now, on the Democrat side, of course, they'll say, hey, you know, what, what's the problem here? Unions are regular, hardworking Americans, and they're happy with us, and we're helping them. And so, you know, this is a special interest that we're, we're happy to help, and they, they don't see much of a problem with it. I think the difference is here is not that a special interest that is being, you know, pleased, it's that taxpayer dollars are being used to actively help a Democrat you know, leaning group make more money. And then that, and then these Democrat groups uh, use money to support Democratic candidates. That pretty, it's, it's kind of the follow the money angle that is really makes this interesting story. Right. And as you said, at the beginning of this, this segment, uh, unions, public, uh, public employee unions overwhelmingly donate to Democrats uh, over Republicans. All unions, all unions yeah, donate to causes that on the left. All right. Uh, moving on. A new poll this week, um, uh, uh, taking a look at uh, Americans' view of the FBI and the Justice Department after the raid of uh, Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's Florida um, residence. Um, what's the poll show, Jason? Yeah, this is becoming a more interesting story because your good friend, Dan Marjorie Taylor Greene, has been swatted twice, according to our uh, Twitter account. So I don't know if you've been texting her to check in on her, but um, I know you are close. But um, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, as you said, has uh, raided Trump's residence. Of course, this was really controversial. It's been one of the top stories. It's rallied support for Trump. We talked last week on the podcast about how um, much of the Republican Party had had started to move on from Trump, or at least at least been silent on him. And and a lot of, maybe a lot of people were hoping that DeSantis would rise up as a more um, reliable, more safe but still uh, a candidate who is able to bridge traditional republicanism with American populism that has become really, you know, prominent in the last few years. But after this raid, so many Republicans who have been silent have rallied around Trump. It's caused a surge in his poll numbers. And at the same time, it, it's caused another change in polls. So this poll from Convention of State Actions, along with the Trafalgar Group, um, released this week, showed that a large segment of Americans say the raid has decreased their confidence in federal law enforcement. So the poll found that 46.2% of American voters said the DOJ and FBI are too political, they're corrupt, and not to be trusted. So nearly half of Americans say that to, you know, the federal law enforcement is corrupt is, is, is pretty amazing, I mean, kind of in a sad way, but it, it's pretty startling. And the poll found that 47.9% of independent voters say the same thing. And so this isn't just like Republicans or Trumpers or something. This is independent voters. Almost half of them are saying the same thing. So it's beyond just kind of an America first thing or like a Republican base at this point. Um, and this is a really interesting point. 48.7% um, say that the FBI and DOJ are not telling the truth about their reasons for raiding Trump. So they basically are skeptical of the motives. 50% um, of independents, half of independents say that the DOJ investigation is just to keep him from run running in 2024. So this isn't like half of Republicans think it's a conspiracy. This is half of independents say right. the DOJ is actively trying to keep Trump from running again. It just shows how, how much um, this idea that federal law enforcement has a double standard for Republicans and Democrats has gone from, you know, some kind of um, ultra right wing view to mainstream when you have yeah, half right. of independents saying it. Interesting. Also on the uh, on the motive front, um, there was some news this week about the, the search warrant um, uh, that the FBI used to, to um, uh, get the, uh, the the warrant to um, uh, raid 
uh, Mar-a-Lago. Um, a judge uh, said that uh, he would that uh, the FBI needs to release a redacted version right. of the search warrant. So how much is redacted? We don't know yet, um, but that's set to be released here soon. Today. It's supposed today. to come out today. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see, but it's supposed to come out today, Friday. Um, maybe by, by the time our listeners hear this, it will have already come out, but it's expected to come out Friday, not con- guaranteed. Um, basically, the the DOJ had to submit a redacted version for the judge to approve. Basically, the judge had to approve that it wasn't overly redacted, like unnecessarily, um, but only the, what was redacted was what was needed to be redacted. And, and it seems that the judge is given the go-ahead for a release of the redacted version. Now, whether it's so redacted that it's not useful, we'll be seeing. I mean, you know, Dan, I'm sure you've seen just in journalism, sometimes you FOIA for a document or you get some documents, you have to pull teeth to get them, and then you finally get the documents and everything's redacted. <laughs> right. Oh, a yeah. few words. So uh, that, you know, we'll see. We'll see where that lands. But you're right. That That is hopefully coming out today. Uh, look forward to seeing what's in there. Uh, also this week, the Bureau of Economic Analysis uh, released updated second quarter GDP data, mm-hmm. which shows that GDP did shrink in the second quarter, which is the second consecutive quarter um, that uh, essentially the economy shrunk. So are we in a recession or not? Have we been able to answer that question yet? You know, it depends on who you ask uh, and who they voted for, whether we're in a recession um, but if you go based off of what, um, pretty much all economists defined a recession as during, let's say the Trump administration or the Obama administration or the Bush administration, or as former president Bill Clinton himself explicitly said on camera, a recession was, um, defined, then yes, we are in a recession. Two consecutive quarters of, uh, GDP um, decline has been the definition of a recession. I think that, you know, there's two ways that the Democrats can come kind of have been trying to combat this. And one is, is a pretty good argument. One is not been received as well. The one that's not been received as well is, Hey, this isn't actually a real recession, but I don't believe your eyes kind of thing. Uh, and they, they, they just change, they just say it's not and hope you believe it and hope that kind of the more talking heads and partisan, um, folks on Twitter will just take the message and run with it. Um, the better argument is like, hey, this is not nearly as bad as past recessions. And that's true. Um, you know, this is nothing like some of the recessions we've seen in the last uh, few decades. The GDP growth is pretty, or GDP decline is, you know, not that big. It's, it could be much, and unemployment is is doing really well. And so that's a thing they point to a lot is saying, hey, unemployment is not that bad. Now, inflation now is pretty bad. And, and so that could be a counter to it. But all to say, uh, by the technical definition, yes, we're in a recession, but we've been in worse recessions and it's unclear how long this one will be. I mean, it could be that this next quarter GDP kind of increases again and, you know, it's kind of a short recession. But if we keep seeing this trend of GDP decline, inflation remains elevated. Uh, this whole argument that, hey, this isn't a real recession and looking at unemployment, it's not going to it's not going to hold water much longer. Thank you for your insight as usual, Casey. But that's all the time uh, we have this week. A reminder to our listeners, you can find all of our great podcasts at americastopicking.com. Take a look. Please subscribe. Also, if you like what you hear, you can donate uh, uh, to us uh, by clicking on the link in the show description. For Casey Harper, I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.